Hello, folks, and welcome to On My Mind. This is Shelley Griffith, and today's episode, I am happy to have my daughter, Lauren True, with us to talk about a very special arthritic and autoimmune disease known as Sjogren's Syndrome, and I'm very pleased that she'll be able to share some good, solid information about this condition. Welcome. Thank you. Looking forward to chatting with you. Well, I am too, and I'd like to start out by giving just a brief background of what Sjogren's syndrome is, and that is S-J-O-G-R-E-N-S, and this was actually first discovered, if you will, or mentioned by a Heinrich Sjogren, a Swedish ophthalmologist, back in the 1940s, when he noticed uh, what they called a syndrome of dry eyes, dry mouth, difficulty swallowing, and parotid or salivary gland enlargement, dry cough, fatigue. And this has also been called the SICA, S-I-C-C-A syndrome, and uh, seems to be diagnosed when we are greater than 40 years of age, women much more than men. Currently in the U.S. population, up to 3 million people have it. So it is not really a rare autoimmune disorder. So let's start out, Lauren, by giving us a little bit of your background, like where you were born and raised and and moving around, and then we'll get into the symptoms in just a minute. Okay. Um, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, um, but mostly raised in Athens here in East Tennessee. Then... What else did you ask? <laughs> I said just we would get born in, and raised. Just oh, born and raised, yes, yes and uh, moving around. Yeah, so. moving around. So grew up most of my life in Athens, Tennessee. And then after graduating high school and college at UT Knoxville, then after getting married, my husband Scott and I did quite a bit of moving around the country with his job. We were fortunate to get to live in a lot of different places. So that took us to some different states for about 25 years. And now we are back in Athens in East Tennessee. Well, and we're delighted, uh, especially Em, to have you all back here with both daughters, uh, Emma and Bess. And, and it's been just a joy to have you all back here with us. And I remembered so many years ago, I think you and I were talking, at least... 20 years ago that you began having some of these unusual symptoms I just mentioned. And and take us a step from there when you may have begun noticing if it was 20 years or longer or shorter, some of these same symptoms and what seemed to bother you the most of these particular Sjogren's type uh, symptoms. So it was really probably the dry eyes that I noticed first, just I've worn glasses since I was eight. So in my research on Sjogren's, it says it's really hard to know whether it's just dry eyes from just fatigue from reading or glasses or things like that, because so many people can have dry eyes for many different reasons. But that was probably the first symptom of it that bothered me the most. And then the dry mouth also was just something that has bothered me for a really long time. And then what 
brought it to our attention was that I had a, it has a very long name that I finally learned how to say, but it was called a pleomorphic adenoma. It was a growth behind my ear, actually, and I didn't know what kind of doctor to see for it just because, you know, was this a dermatology issue? Is this, you know, what kind of doctor should I see for this? The dentist? Who did I see about this? But um, I ended up seeing uh, an ENT, which I know has a fancy real doctor name to it, but I will let you say that, <laughs> but I call it my ENT. Um, do you want to say what the real I name is? I can say that it's an OTO, O-T-O, laryngologist, and ENT is obviously a ton simpler to say. You're right. Yeah, I just called it my ENT. So I went to see that doctor, and this was when we lived in Maryland, and that was the doctor that performed the surgery to remove that, and it's on the parotid gland. And so when he removed that, he was able to make sure that it was not cancerous, and then he did a testing on that. Because we had heard, you and I had talked about, maybe this is Sjogren's syndrome. That is an interesting, different kind of thing. But that doctor did the testing on that tumor when it was removed to make sure. And that was when we discovered it. So, and yes, that was like 20-something years ago. Well, and from that point, the assumption had been made that you had developed the Sjogren's, and uh, the symptoms that we mentioned, and then the testing that the ENT did, and then later uh, family physician, and we'll get into the next step in a little bit, but some of the tests that are run, complete blood counts are done, electrolytes like sodium, potassium, and then occasionally an x-ray if you are having some arthritic symptoms, which we'll also mention in a moment. And then the biopsy of your parotid gland was proof. And then a specific test is known as an anti-nuclear antibody, ANA. And if those tests are positive, then they go further to check for Sjogren's with other antibody testing. These are known as SSA and SSB. And normally, if those tests are positive to a certain degree, the diagnosis is made. And as I certainly recall, it was way back then. And we'll talk about an interesting finding in a minute. The other tests are known as SED-rate to look for inflammation and CRP, cell reactive protein, to look at different tissue responses. This is considered to be an autoimmune disease. And at that point then, were you given some medications for the dry eyes and dry mouth and stuff? I wasn't then. Um, It wasn't too much of a distraction to life, obviously. I was 20 years younger then. (laughs) It didn't cause me too much problem. I've used artificial tears for years, and so I just used those kinds of drops for my eyes, but I didn't do anything for dry mouth, just 
Chewing gum. I've been a big <laughs> chewing gum user most of my life. Yeah. Don't tell my school teachers or the children <laughs> I taught in school. As long as you didn't put it under the desk. I never put it right. under the desk. Good, thank you. That, that's good. <laughs> I, I have a really good trick for how I hide it when I'm in the classroom. But <laughs> yes. I did it on both ends as a student and as a teacher. <laughs> yes. Well, and then time moved along and you all moved around. Can you recall when you maybe wound up first seeing a rheumatologist. And as many of you folks know, rheumatology is the study of arthritic syndromes of all kinds, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, etc. But this falls under the category of seeing a rheumatologist as a specialist. So I actually did not start seeing a rheumatologist till a little more recently. It was not until we moved back to Tennessee after our moving around to the different states. It was 2019 was when I started seeing a rheumatologist. Well, and at that point then, were you not having more arthritic type symptoms, various joint discomforts, head and neck, back, this kind of thing? Wasn't that beginning about that time? Yes. So I not only had symptoms with the Sjogren's that I'd been having just all along, but more, like you said, just arthritis in, you know, the extremities, fingers, toes, knees popping, all the things that I hadn't anticipated happening for a while were starting to happen this stiffness in my neck and shoulders, some degenerative disc disease that my primary care physician had found with some x-rays and some MRIs with some pain that I had been having. So she sent me to a really great rheumatologist that I've been seeing very regularly for the past few years. Good, good. And, and then medications changed, I assume, once you saw the rheumatologist and the family doc together talking about this. And and you don't have to say, if you don't want to, the, the meds that you've used, but uh, I gather you've gone on more medications to help with the dryness, the, the pain that is uh, almost disabling now to you at times. Is that right? Uh, there are quite a few days that it is pretty extreme. One of the other things that we didn't say yet is one of the symptoms of Sjogren's is fatigue. Mm. And that has gotten pretty, pretty extreme for me over the course of the past few years. And afternoon naps, I mean, babies, toddlers, they really know what's going on with that. <laughs> That's a good thing. I'm really into my afternoon naps, <laughs> but that had really been something that, that was making it hard to, to just do regular life. You know, just the fatigue had really gotten pretty life altering, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds pretty severe, but you know, when it just changes your quality of life, I think is when it just, it gets discouraging. Yes. They had my primary care physician and my rheumatologist work really well for me, they work well together just in managing what medications we've tried and which ones work well together. And, and there are quite a few that I'm taking right now, just trying to 
help with managing the pain of how autoimmune challenges and diseases, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but just how they can work to kind of, as the autoimmune diseases attack your body, sometimes the pain can be pretty severe. And so they have been really helpful in, in working with me with ways to combat that. Well, and let me say, for those of you all who may not understand, as as Lauren is saying, and, and we mentioned, autoimmune diseases mean just that the the antibodies that protect us from so many diseases and infections are actually attacking our normal cells. And this is how it takes so long sometimes. And I think we were talking uh, previously up to seven years sometimes or longer to make a diagnosis of many of these diseases because the test, and this is important as we get to, many of these tests are negative and some of them are considered false negative, meaning just like Lauren having the symptoms, classic symptoms, tests can be negative, tests can be positive. And then we have discovered, even in my long career, that tests can turn negative later. Does that mean you are over the illness? If it's an autoimmune disease, that is not correct. Uh, the progression that Lauren is describing can go. The longevity that patients have, believe it or not, is the same as, as she would have otherwise without Sjogren's. However, as she's pointing out, the the great discomfort, the life-altering, because I can vouch for the fact, knowing her all these many years, that she's very active in many, many areas of life. She loves doing a lot of things, traveling, raising two children, and having a lot of involvement in the community. And yet, they're just life-altering changes. You get fatigued. You have to, to lie down. And that that's very, very frustrating. I agree. I had many patients over the years talking about these diseases. Other examples, very briefly, uh, are lupus you've heard of. Certainly a lot of the other arthritic syndromes can be autoimmune in nature. Now, the, the medications that you're taking have to be followed and tested, of course, because of changes that can occur in any of us with long-term medications. And so your rheumatologist is following that. Now, take us to the next step. I believe you've had the rheumatologist has started some infusion therapy, and that's very common in some of these autoimmune diseases. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Uh, yes. So I've started that. It's a, called a biologic, and it's just the way that one of my medications is administered is by infusion, and it is I get those every eight weeks and it has been it seems like it's been, it's been pretty helpful in treating what we are seeing as ankylosing spondylitis which is also easier to just call AS <laughs> which is the um, that's just arthritis of the spine but it actually affects your whole body just the more I learn about all of it, the more just things about how I feel physically make sense. And, you know, when we know why we might be feeling the way that we're feeling, I think that helps. It just 
helps it make sense to us and how we can manage our days better. But this this infusion has been helping and it, it helps with my energy and it, it helps to loosen, not loosen, but lessen the inflammation <laughs> that the kind of arthritis I have causes. Well, and that's a great point, this uh, AES. And I will have to admit that I did not have any patience with it, to my knowledge, in my long career. And so I had to do some research as well. And it's felt that this condition, A-N-K-Y-L-O-S-I-N-G, spondylitis, S-P-O-N-D-Y-L-I-T-I-S, A-S, as Lauren says, is easier to say, about 3 million people in America have that. So it is not rare. It seems that men actually have this more than women, while women have Sjogren's more, and interestingly, thought to be due sometimes to significant viral infections or bacterial. There is a bacteria that we see quite a bit in various parts of the body called Klebsiella, K-L-E-B-S-I-E-L-L-A. And this has been associated with AES. And as she points out, total body discomfort. There is a protein that they are studying now that can be actually drawn as a blood test known as HLA-B27, and it attaches to your body's cells and connective tissue and causes this AS. In the past, there was no way to test for this, and it would be interesting now, I think, Lauren, if you had that test to confirm it, but I think the x-rays and other things are doing it, and that does change, and you're absolutely right. And so at this point, share with us a little bit some of the frustration that you have experienced and mentioned just briefly about your your life-altering changes. You're, you're about to get into and have already gotten into a, a wonderfully exciting time and tell us about that that's coming up in about five weeks. Oh, we have a family wedding coming up. Our daughter is getting married and... So that is fun and exciting, and I just want to be able to dance at the wedding, and I probably will dance anyway, and then I will just really need to use my heating pad that night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I pretty much use my heating pad every night, but that'll be like a (laughs) double use or whatever, but um, no, I mean, I just... I can't move as freely as I used to, and the fatigue is... It's very, it's, it is a frustrating part of this challenge because I, I can't go as, as much as I used to just without getting tired. So, so those are some things that are just hard. Just the energy level is not what it used to be. And, and it just kind of all happened rather quickly. Like I've, I've had it, these struggles for a while, but it just does seem like things happened kind of all at once, maybe. Exactly. I don't know, but... Well, let me point out, folks, that, that Lauren is still quite young. She's she's 52, and this, this disturbance... Hey, I didn't say you could say how old I yes, was. Yes, I can, because <laughs> <laughs> as your dad, knowing you for that time, it does work. Thank you. But no, basically, Super being young, being young <laughs> and, and altering, she has wonderful friends that that she can be with and walk with and and stay as active as possible. And that is recommended, folks, as much as possible 
with exercise and stretching and things like that do help. And then I believe sometimes you're getting relief from uh, massage therapy mm-hmm. and things. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Some of that helps. And um, yeah, like you said, the aerobic exercise is good for it. Can't do as much of that as I used to could either, but walking is great. And I have buddies that walk with me and encourage me in that way. And yes, stretching is great. And so there, and there are just the, the friends that come alongside me in this have just been a sweet encouragement as well too. So you know, it's not, it's not all bad. There are people that are there to, to send encouraging texts at the just right time, prayers, Bible verses to lift me up on the days when I'm feeling a little bluer than I would like to feel. So there's a good community of people that know what it feels like and are encouraging. Well, and that's important. And then certainly husband Scott and daughters Emma and Bess, and these are folks that we depend on, family support, but the friends are very important as well, and they do totally understand, because like I say, it's not as common as as rheumatoid arthritis and stuff, but it's still very life-altering, I think that's so important to look at. Now, the other thing that we were going to mention briefly, too, is, and I've said this to many people in my long career, that when some of these diseases are not as common, it's important to consider whether or not we seek second opinions, third opinions about the diseases. Now, let me qualify and say it is not to criticize any physician ever. I used to offer second opinions to my patients all the time, and patients who would see me would get second opinions from what I would say. And so I believe there are some clinics around the country that may deal with Sjogren's. Uh, I believe that's correct. And have you kind of looked at some of that or not necessarily worried about that right now? So there are some. The one that I have researched the most is the Sjogren's Center, the Sjogren's Specialty Center that's associated with Hopkins Medical Center in Baltimore. That's the one that I've looked at the most. And you're right. My doctors both are great about being willing to have a second set of eyes look at me. And they're just humble in that way. And just like you, just like you as a doctor wanted to offer second opinions and know that it's important for other people to, to have a, have a look at your patients. So We've talked about that. I haven't pursued any of that yet, but we have looked at it. We know it's out there. Well, and I think that is uh, indeed always a nice avenue to use. And when when folks do agree on these unusual situations, I think it makes us as patients feel comfortable that we're on the right track and doing the best we can. And then the other big thing that we've learned, too, and, and you have in some of your research, There are new avenues every day. There are new treatments uh, with the biologics, and these are being developed, and they're helping people so much versus when I actually came through 40-something years ago, we didn't have quite the medications out there that we could offer patients. So I am excited that, that that is available to you. 
And at this point, is there anything else that you'd like to add about this and advising people listening today if they have these symptoms or if they have concerns? And let me say again that I always uh, offer on our podcasts, you can email me directly at shellgriff at gmail.com. That's S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F at gmail.com. If you have questions, and especially about this episode, I'll see that Lauren gets that and we can respond to you in a, in a future episode. But what do you think? Do you have other thoughts? Just not to be intimidated to ask your doctor if you are experiencing any any kind of symptoms that seem unusual to you. Just talk to, find a great family practice doctor and talk to them about it and they'll point you in the right direction if you do need a specialist for anything and just, you know your body, you know what feels like it should feel like. And if anything feels a little off, don't be afraid to to talk to somebody about it. That's an excellent point because we have always felt in, in my era of medicine, and I think today as well, the majority of doctors know that you know much more about your own symptoms, your own body than we ever can, despite testing and discussions. And and I think that's absolutely right. When you feel comfortable with your physicians, then you're going to feel comfortable about the treatment and, and be compliant on treatment as well. So I think that's excellent. But I thank you so much for coming today and discussing this very, very specific, these two specific diagnoses. And as we said, if you put the two of them together, you're looking at some 6 million people in America, and that's significant numbers. So take Lauren's advice and and be able to go contact a physician. Don't wait because there's no reason in denying uh, the diagnosis or denying treatment for that. And we're so glad, friends, that you all have listened today. And once again, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming. Thanks and for being letting me talk about it. Thank you. Great. Folks, this has been On My Mind. I'm Dr. Shelley Griffith, my special guest today, my daughter, Lauren True. And we hope you have enjoyed this episode. And I hope you have a safe and healthy day. And I'll see you a little further on up the road. 